I only had like three generals left. And so I had a phone interview and they hired me over the phone and I just packed up my car and, and drove to Utah. <laughs> Welcome to Discovering Design, a podcast featuring a different guest each episode recounting their initial career, what sparked their interest in the creative arts, and how they pivoted to a full-time role in New Zero Experience Design. Our guest for this episode is Shannon Blitz, a former 3D animator and current UX design research consultant. We'll learn about growing up in Washington State, what it's like creating digital assets for Microsoft Games, and why siblings are often the only persons capable of seeing who we really could be. And with that, I'd like to introduce Shannon Blitz. I grew up in the Washington State area near Seattle. Kent Washington. So I don't know if you know Bill Nye, the science guy. He used to have a sketch comedy show there called Almost Live, and they would make fun of Kent as being this kind of rednecky. Everyone had El Caminos, you know, broken down cars. There's this great article about what's it called, the Oregon Trail generation, which I think is between like 79 and 82, where we're tech savvy. Like, so remember before the internet, go out, you ride your bike, go to your friend's house. You just basically just do laps around your house. I was a big video gamer, um, so I didn't have a lot of money. So I go to my friend's house who happened to have a PC with like Duke Nukem or the original Doom, um, that one Microsoft game with the Yeti that chases you. Like that was a jump scare. Like you would ski and then after like five minutes, the Yeti would come and eat you. Um, <laughs> that was fun. My dad uh, was self-employed, so he uh, installed heating and air conditioning, and my mom was a uh, stay-at-home for the most part. Sometimes I think she worked at a travel agency, but for the most part, she was home. So that's why uh, my friends would be at my house, because there was someone there, and it, we just all, we had a trampoline, so we'd go outside and do that a lot. I had social anxiety so bad in high school, I dropped out. I couldn't look people in the eye. What helped me was like McDonald's, like my first time McDonald's. Hey, can I take your order? Can I take your order? Take an order. Then you start joking. Then you start like, then you get numb to it. And then what helped me was like, instead of focusing on what they think of you, focus on making them comfortable. And it, you as an interviewer. So if you, if you start thinking about what you can do to make them comfortable, then you're out of your own head. Favorite game ever, Final Fantasy VII. And that came out when I was 16. But at the time, I guess people, when they see it, they think, oh, look at these janky graphics and stuff. But at the time, it was like Avatar. It was like, oh, my God, this is the tech. Oh, my God, it's so amazing. Like, it, it blew minds. It, it almost like it was like a play. Like, you kind of would fade the black, the, how the characters laid out, the story, the plot twist. Seeing video games as an art form and what you could push it artistically. So I, I thought it would be that. And when I played Final Fantasy VII, I'm like, I want to do that. <laughs> so 
I started self-teaching myself because the internet was there, but you know, it was like uh, 3D Max was like crazy expensive. A lot of my artwork I did was on floppy disk. So I had to um, go to Barnes and Noble to get books to teach me how to do this. So I learned a lot of good tech by learning how to crack Maya in 3D Max so I could use it for free. And it worked out because so when I went to school for it, I kind of was more up to date than my teachers. So actually they would have me TA for like some of the Maya classes. For those who aren't super familiar, like when you watch Pixar and such, like uh, like the smooth stuff, the stuff that looks really good, you know, that's Maya. But if you need to do stuff for uh, video games, you need a lower polygon count because you have to keep your frame rate consistent and you don't want the game to run slow. Because I live near Seattle, right? So there was actually a lot of, of game companies there. At the time, it was very early in online dating to meet people in the industry. And, you know, they would kind of like, approach you like not as a date, but like, oh, hey, you're interested in that. I happen to work for a game company. You know, we should have like a networking meeting, you know, or I'll bring you to the office and, and check it out. So I kind of leveraged that a little bit to almost like pick their brains. Like, okay, so you're doing this. And I almost kind of recommend this to, to younger people, not the way I did it so much is that before you know what you want to study, talk to people doing the job you, you want to do first literally find people doing that linkedin friends like whatever you can do and say what do i need to know one of my my very first long-term boyfriend he was making a video game and so i worked on 3d assets for that game while i was going to school so this was our institute and i'm not sure they exist anymore but the director at the time also was doing side contract work for like microsoft and other companies in the area and he would almost kind of use us as like you know, uh, contractors like, hey, oh, hey, Microsoft needs like 20 buildings for flight simulator. I had a side job of like taking the, the models like from the game, like you would have a Warcraft model. I go in there and clean it up for printing. So um, so I was kind of, and that was good because it was filling up my, my resume of just kind of like work. My twin sister had gotten into programming. She moved to Utah and started working for a game company here and they were looking for 3d artists and i was like i think i'd done i only had like three generals left and so i had a phone interview and they hired me over the phone and i just packed up my car and and drove to utah <laughs> so i just kind of packed up some furniture whatever i had like a 1988 toyota corolla you know so i was pretty much hoping i could it, it would make it I literally had done all the classes except for like an English class and a math class. And unfortunately, and that's fine because you've got a good portfolio and you can talk about the job and prove that you know how to do it. They don't care. So much stuff you can learn on the job. And even my, my job now, it's all self-taught because UX didn't even exist as a career. I was like, I'm going to school for this, and now I got a job doing this. So all that anxiety of trying to get your first job out of school, gone. So my sister was already living in Utah, and she had some space in like a, her attic. We were working at the same place. To me, it wasn't scary. It was kind of because I didn't like living at home. Like we had, my parents had way too many kids. They had uh, boyfriends and girlfriends who I couldn't stand. They would literally go through my room and steal stuff out of my room and pawn it. 
I was doing that at Wahoo Studios for about um, probably six to 10 years. We had talented people. We had a great concept artist. We had a great designer. We were in a smaller office and the only, the only downside was is that it was me and like eight other guys and there was one bathroom. It, it, it like the, the smell wafted into the, the main area. So that was like the only downside. So we did independent games and games commissioned us from Microsoft. So it's kind of like the profits from Microsoft games would flow into personal projects. And the personal projects were actually pretty successful at the time for the company. I would kind of come in um, and if there's concept art, like, okay, we need like 10 buildings, trees, assets. I'd have the concept art. I would load it on my screen, kind of like a blueprint. And then I would, I would model that. Uh, put the skeleton in, rig it, and just kind of just do that pipeline. Sometimes modeling a face, it takes a lot of trial and error. The hardest thing is the armpit. Like when you're raising an arm, you get like really, especially when you're rigging to a skeleton. I enjoy the art artistry of it because the, the concept art was so expressive and so fun. I wanted to capture that as a 3D model. The job trajectory would be to either kind of work at a glamour company that might look good on a resume, like, oh, I'm going to work for Blizzard. But I kind of was disenchanted a little bit because I remember visiting Valve. Was it Valve? It was one of those companies. And they literally had a 3D artist that worked like, like 80 hours a week making rocks. Like, that's it. Different rocks. And like, that seems so soul crushing. And to, to me, that kind of reinforced, I like working at a smaller company because I actually can do more of a variety of stuff. Luckily, we've kind of survived through the 2008 recession. So the, when I was doing it, it was kind of during then, but then afterwards kind of work dried up for Microsoft and they had to kind of lay off a lot of the team. So if I wanted to keep doing this, I would have had to move. It, and I fell in love with Utah, like the seasons, the cost of living. It had a good vibe. When I was a kid, like in the late 90s with GeoCities, I um, taught myself like HTML. I don't think CSS existed and you had to do it all inline and tables and stuff. So I made a Final Fantasy VII fan website. I tried, I found that on like the Wayback Machine, like parts of it. And, and then I had a Supersonics fan site that I had built. When I was doing that, my sister kind of um, had left because we worked together and she had left there to become a full stack developer and she had started working with UX designers. She goes, you could do this, you know, you could totally do that job. So she said, yeah, seriously, like learn HTML, CSS, um, blah, 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 blah. And I just started um, self-teaching myself how to do UX designs. At the time, programmers, for the most part, were designing it themselves and building it. I felt like I was the architect and they were the framers. I didn't really kind of have a mentor. I just kind of had an idea of that's what I need to do is we needed to do this. Let me figure out how to do that. I loved like interviewing people and kind of talking to them and finding themes. And I love trying to solve multiple things with one thing. and then. I'd I already did art, so like the UI wasn't hard because it was just vector art, but the, the problem solving and UX and flows and that was really intellectually stimulating. In 3D, I was in the middle of a pipeline. You got concept art, me, developer. UX, it's me, 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 and then I'm bringing people in and then developers back to me to test it. 
back to the developers. And so the fact that I could have more kind of input and say of the experience from beginning to end rather than one little piece of it was very, very satisfying. I think I was the first designer hired at this company. Like, so no one even at the company knew what UX was. They would rate medical equipment and like kind of all these like vendors and our medical equipment. And then from there, they would basically use this rating system to be able to uh, and then publish it. And then I think uh, medical places and hospitals would reference that so they know what kind of x-ray machines to buy and, and stuff like that. There was a, a lot of people and they needed internal tools of being able to kind of track who they talked to, the data they've collected, a lot of dashboard work. They brought me in to um, basically design it and then give it to the programmers. At the time, I was just kind of doing what my gut felt right. Like I should like talk to these people. I should understand the problems, right? And at the time I was getting so much pushback, you know, and, and kind of like, I'm designing for five programmers and they're all kind of like, some of them are looking at my designs and some of them are taking like 10% and is kind of doing the rest on their own. And I'm like, we need a, a standardized design system. And so this is just me just throwing stuff out because it made sense in my gut. Am I doing this wrong? It's like, how, like, why is this so hard to get buy-in? You know, how do I approach it? Do I just go along to get along? Do I just like shut up and just design what they tell me to, to design? Stuff like, uh, oh, we have a deadline, but the deadline is because the salesperson made up features to tell another company that we're going to do this. Then they come to us and the programmers and say, we need this uh, by February. And we're like, why did you not talk to us first before you made these promises? It was crazy making uh, in terms of like, I think this is the wrong way. This feels backwards, but because it was a young thing, I, I just didn't know if I was wrong or it's something now. And when you're by yourself, you can't gut check with other designers. It was really hard. When you talk to them, it's like, how do we kind of get this to look more consistent? And they'll be like, oh, it's internal tools. Who cares? You know, and that's kind of like the, the thing I got from my manager. too. <laughs> right. And so because of that, I'm like, well, you know, I'm just gonna like stay after work and build a freaking design system. I'm gonna get bootstrap, I'm gonna program this. And not knowing what it was, like I designed, I made a design system and documentation, not knowing what it was. Cause I would do that and give it to the programmers. All right, no excuses. I had two managers, they, they wouldn't talk to each other. So I'm like playing peacemaker. And how do I get you guys all like, how do we, let's all agree what we're gonna do. And now looking at all this, I realized I was not alone. This is a constant thing we don't care if it's shit like build it it's like but it's gonna be shit <laughs> i would be at like uh six months at one place and then three months at another three months and i think because i had such a positive work experience at wahoo to me it wasn't the work i enjoyed the work as a ux and solving the problems but the problem was the culture and the corporations and the minutia and that was the thing that kept going through my head it's like is it always going to be this hard and this frustrating and i had a couple i had some great managers and i had some terrible managers and it was and, and when you're by yourself it, it was hard because it was kind of like if i had two jobs in a row where my managers just crapped on me you know for even asking questions and i thought like am i terrible if i could have afforded to walk away or take a break i would have 
I, I was on the fence a lot. And it wasn't until like I got to my last place, I've been at for three years, that it was actually, I mean, it's not perfect, but it, it makes sense. I, I have a team and we could do, we could gut check each other. Like, hey, is what he's saying makes no sense? Yeah, like, I don't get what he's saying either. Like, okay, thank God. You waver from being very optimistic to very pessimistic or cynical. But if you have a supportive manager, a supportive team where you kind of feel like you're all in it together, rather it's just me versus all the POs and all the developers. When I moved into research, like, well, I haven't done proper research methodologies, you know, and you're going to make me a senior researcher. So I went to Pluralsight and I did a research assessment test and I like nailed it. It's like, oh, I was doing field study. I didn't even know what it's called. Like I was doing like um, comparison. I didn't even know what that was called. So that that was very validating. What helps imposter syndrome is getting those little wins and getting that validation. I can design something and see other people designed, look at the metrics, look how people are interacting with it and see if that design worked or not. I, I, now I don't have imposter syndrome because how I see is everyone has imposter syndrome to different gradients and that's okay. We're all in here together. Let's share knowledge. But when you, when you get to a place where everyone kind of admits we all suck, we're all learning as we're going. It like, we actually do the best work because we're free to experiment and have fun and talk to each other and admit our weaknesses. Okay, so now we are so open about mental health, like, um, like, oh God, I'm burning out or I'm stressed out or this has me all frustrated. And the fact that we can safely talk about that stuff to each other, it doesn't make us feel like everyone's great, I suck. We're all similar with what we're dealing with. I'm using the same tools except for 3D, but I'm still using, I used to use Photoshop before I moved to Figma, but you're, it's still the same. The work feels the same. The people feel the same. The method, it, it's really the same kind of job. You're just using slightly different tools to do it. Because of COVID, the housing market's boomed and my husband just happens to work in the housing market. And so because of that, uh, I have financial freedom now to think about what do I really want to do. At our company, they brought in a UX research consultant. We hopped on a Zoom call and she just told me all about it. And I kind of want to do that. And if it doesn't work out, I can always come back, but I, I can take a risk right now. I learned that I can rebuild from nothing a lot. I got fired from a couple UX jobs. Kind of like when you like you're homeless or you have nothing and then you make something of it you're not so scared of being homeless anymore you, you know like i can do these steps to to get myself back i have bipolar which could be a superpower in this type of work when you're manic you can learn like five months of stuff in a week and so i, I learned how to control my medication I'm like super productive from like 9 a.m. to like 1 p.m. That's why I get all my ideas out, all my grand visions, and then I start slowing down. And then the pragmatic side kind of comes back up. I, I, I'm trying to learn balance, like how to not burn myself out. I, I think it's made me more less afraid of failure. I think it's been really good to, to make me more of a risk taker, to make me trust myself and to actually make me improve my social skills, <laughs> improve how to, how to talk to people and help people. Trust your gut, work on the, the, the presentation of the information, the, the buy-in, and then you'll have a lot less rockier 
road, you know, so that's, but, but keep doing it because it's a good job. I want to thank Shannon for sharing their journey and thank all of you for listening. Until next time.